This is We're Not From The Moon. I'm your host, Tabby. Thanks for tuning in. So where do I begin with this? It's been seven days since the UK voted in a referendum to determine whether they're in or out of the European Union. The results, as the world now knows, is to leave the EU. Say it with me now. What the fuck just happened? Well, for some, it was shock. And for some, it was rejoicing. Then, of course, David Cameron dropped the bombshell of whether he will be resigning or staying on. And he's decided to resign as prime minister, making way for a new prime minister who will be voted in by the Conservatives anytime between August and October. As if things weren't streaming downhill quicker than quicksand, the pound drops to its lowest in years. So now we're all really shitting ourselves over this. What did we just do? The story continues. Political leader instabilities within the leader of the Labour Party in the UK. Jeremy Corbyn is also under pressure to step down. So in a nutshell, the pound is relatively weak. There's a huge uncertainty in the country. The rise of xenophobia and racism in the public sphere has heightened. And a political system that is going through leadership changes is underway. Let's get Michael Willems in here, a Dutch journalist working and living in London, to talk about these United Kingdoms of ours and what is our new story. Let's start the show. So as promised, I have Michael Willems here and he's a journalist, but I'm going to let him introduce himself because it's... No better way for somebody else to introduce their story, right, Michael? That's right. That makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I'm Michael. I'm a Dutchman based here in London. I've been working as a journalist now for, I think, eight years. I know Tabby actually from university. We both did a master's here in London. And wow, can you believe it? Ten years ago this year. I know. 2006. So, um, yeah, I've ever, ever since I worked as a reporter, later on senior reporter, now an editor, um, and yeah, news is my passion. It's my thing. I love it. it. It's different every day, constantly evolves. You never know what you're going to expect in the morning. And speaking about constantly evol- uh, evolving, particularly the fact that we've been here over 10 years and now we're going through this gobsmack of a result we call Brexit vote out or Brexit out. I mean, where were you when this happened? Where were you on Thursday once the vote was being counted once it was like time out we're done you've all voted now we're gonna do the count yeah once it broke actually i was at home and i went to bed quite early because i volunteered i actually helped the remain campaign throughout the week and um and i knew hey the counting is going to start obviously at 10 o'clock when the polls close and before four five o'clock there's no final results so i came home had a chat with my partner jumped into bed but you know it came a bit itchy around 2 30 3 o'clock in the morning yeah because you're up. like what's going on yeah so i grabbed my phone googled straight away you know referendum results and then i saw 
I think it was 51.9% or 51.6%, whatever, a majority for uh, leave. So I, I was kind of shocked to rush down the stairs, turned on BBC and was flipping in between BBC and Sky mm -hmm. News. And Tabby, I couldn't believe what I was I know. saying. I Really couldn't believe it. I, I was shocked. And, you know, like I, I work in business journalism in the city. So we very much base our, 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 our news products on statistics and data and ratings and all the rating agencies and the bookies. Also, even the polls in uh, the last few days before for the actual polling day uh, said Remain is, is edging It's stronger. Out. Yeah, I couldn't believe that the bookies got it wrong because they usually about ninety eight percent correct. Yeah. yeah, they made a lot of money there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and thinking about the ninety eight percent correct, you think I mean, the vote between Leave and Remain, it was a one million count. It was like that one percent of the vote. That one percent that yeah. they kind of didn't see coming is the one that. That said, yeah, we we are deciding for you. This is it. And it's surreal because I mean, even on Monday, I heard about this guy. I think it was somewhere in Manchester, Liverpool, who bet more than three hundred fifty thousand pounds on Remain. So hey, we may have felt bad on Thursday or on Friday morning. But, but there were worse people out there. Absolutely, completely. Who's gambling <laughs> on such a day? Like honestly, those people need to just be shot. <laughs> but, <laughs> talk to me about the fact that you actually went out and volunteered as a European volunteering in such a crucial moment in British history. I mean, that in itself, you're going to be able to tell that story to your kids, your grandchildren at dinner parties. It's going to be the, the story that you tell that I actually was on. I was on the ground. I was doing the hard lifting. Totally. Unfortunately, I was on the losing side and that's <laughs> not something... <laughs> I suppose prefer. we shouldn't be celebrating that now. <laughs> but the fact that you went out... I bet on the wrong horse. <laughs> like, Damn! It happens. Yeah. Yeah. There Toss are winners the and losers. Yeah. No, it's kind of like I was uh, spending some time in Asia for my work, not followed the uh, referendum as all, well, didn't follow the polls. And then me and my partner, we touched down at Heathrow and I opened this newspaper. I think it was the Times, which is fairly reliable. And it's not like Daily Star or The Sun or The Daily Mail or Daily Express. And it said, Leaf Camp etching ahead, Leaf Camp doing really well, Brexit super likely. And I thought, oh my God, didn't realize that, didn't expect this. I, this might actually happen. So what I did in a few days afterwards, I contacted some people within the Remain Camp that I knew and I said, hey, do you guys need some help? You need some volunteers? I want to help. You know, I feel like... I don't want to sit back passively and wait. Uh, and just watch as some... I mean, I know because you guys couldn't vote. So the fact that you were a at least able to be a part of the campaign, whether win or lose, that's still a big, big thing that you did. I mean, a lot of people didn't do that. No, they didn't. I mean, a lot of Europeans, a lot of foreigners, whatever you want to call them, a lot of immigrants, as they're uh, popularly called. You know, it affects them hugely, but they a lot of them see it as it's not our battle. This it's is not really, our problem. Yeah. We, we're not voting, so there's no point in us doing anything. Well, it's definitely their problem, but this is more like a domestic issue. Right. And also, a lot of them felt a bit like, I better keep quiet and shut up, because if a European is going to lecture them now what to do or what not to do, it only annoys them. And I must say, that did happen a few times because I went over to Canary Wharf, helped out a few times in one 
one of their call centers. And what you basically do, I mean, I was assigned to calling local radio stations, newspapers because of my media background. But also, you know, there, were, there was some time left. And I said, come here, I'll call a few random people as well. And I start that dialogue and I engage in that conversation with them. Like, why? What are your concerns? What about immigration? What about the economic impact? You know, what would people say? What was what was resonating with them? Uh, we know immigration was resonating mm-hmm. with a lot of people. Hence, I think when I think about it, this entire campaign from at least the leave side, the way it looked like was it was more focused on immigration than anything else. You know, let us get out, let us take take back our land, let us take back our borders. Let's take back control. These people are coming back to take our jobs. That kind of scaremongering. And I think a lot of people, rather than vote on facts, subsequently, as we all know with elections, they went and voted with their hearts or their heads or their dum-dums or whatever else (laughs) was in their bag. And now we have the results we have now. Fault a lot of the people who who decided to, to vote leave because... In my head, I'm trying to put myself in that position. If you're in a yeah. in the parts of the country where your I don't know unemployment is high, young people don't have any prospects. Um, maybe there is a surge of immigration within those areas because the cities are po- overpopulated. So you've got to move people outside of the bigger cities, and so those people are seen as threats. And if somebody comes in who's in a political power, keeps telling you. Yes, th- those people who look like this, who sound like this, who are from these areas, they are the people you should be worried about because they're the people who are stealing your jobs. And not for the politicians themselves to take responsibility of the fact that they are partly responsible and the banks, the financial sector, of putting people to in these positions that we're in right now. Yeah, no, totally. I couldn't agree more. But uh, I think it wasn't as black and white as, as, as you described there. Immigration was definitely a really important mm. part of it. Totally, without a doubt, obviously. But I think it was very much like, if you look at the demographics, it was old versus young. Her old folks didn't mm-hmm. leave, young mm-hmm. wanted to stay in. Um, it was the rural areas of England versus the rest of the UK, including Scotland, uh, Wales and England. In England? Mm-hmm. It was lower income versus higher income. It was lower educated leave versus uh, people generally... And with underprivileged and... Yeah, with a proper right. education or whatever who could see the benefits of Europe. So it was actually a lot of people who... Uh, have hardly any interaction with immigrants, mm. you know, in Dorset or in Cumbria or in Cornwall or in the Midlands or in rural areas and uh, in Yorkshire and, and wherever. And um, many of them felt, yes, immigration is an issue because what we see on TV every night uh, is, you know, the, and, and multi-ethnical London mm. and, and, and immigrants coming into this country. And whenever you open the Daily Mail or the Sun, you do see all those stories like they're taking our benefits and they're taking advantage of our welfare state. Right. But at the same time, I think a lot of them also felt, and that slogan really really resonated uh, with people right yeah take back control right you know and there was an argument at the remain camp feet and i was uh you know who's ultimately in charge of this country you know the sovereignty of this country above all so is it brussels or is it us which court eventually decides and i think for a lot of ordinary brits if you ask them like hey who should be in charge of your country Mm -hmm. like a guy from Luxembourg you cannot even pronounce the name mm-hmm. of who you didn't even vote for probably. yeah right. well they forgot about the European well most parliament. people don't vote in the European parliament. no 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 they but it's a choice this. I mean yeah. a lot of people also don't right. vote in national elections but totally you're right yeah not directly mm. and um 
or you know our own politicians mm. and and people who are British with British values and not Romanian values and not Spanish standards mm-hmm. and not people who caused uh, the Euro crisis in Greece and not a German chancellor who opens the borders to a million refugees. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, then for a lot of ordinary Brits, the choice was regrettably, in my view, but understandable mm. that you say, hey. You know, if I ask you in your household, you know, would you rather decide yourself where you place the couch and when you switch on the light or who you invite as a visitor or would your neighbors decide it for you? Right. I think a lot of Brits said to you, of course, of course I, I want to be in charge house, of my house. It's mm-hmm. our house mm. and what we do inside is our business. So, um, yeah, then a lot of Brits, unfortunately, uh, felt it was time to depart with the EU. And personally, yeah, I totally regret that. I think we were... I mean, I don't want to resonate David Cameron because I'm not a huge fan, but I think he was absolutely right there when he said that we're safer in Europe and we're stronger in Europe. And I do, I'm a big fan of the internal market Mm. with all its four uh, freedoms. And so, yeah, the fact that possibly, you never know. You never know, right. Two years, yeah, we'll get to that maybe in a second, but two years is a long time in politics. But possibly, most likely... And the UK will leave the EU, and uh, yeah, it's a shame. It's I think it will go down as a historic mistake. I think Cameron knows that his legacy in politics is this referendum, and whichever way it goes, if it goes in the next two years or whatever, we come out stronger, then he will get the benefit of that, and he will stand up and say, see, I did the right choice. If it all goes to shambles, as most are predicting it's going to go, then he's going to be left with a legacy that says, you put us, an elitist who doesn't understand what it feels like to be on the ground, you put us, lay people, in this position. Yeah. Yeah, he was the one, of obviously, who advocated Remain. Because he won, based on the fact that if you vote us in as the Conservative Party, the thing that we're going to do first is we're going to hold this referendum, which seems to... It's not a new thing to call for the referendum. We know 25 years ago they've gone through this again. But to gamble like that with the thought that there's no way that people would vote to come out is so arrogant in itself. And I think this is one of the reasons why the decision to leave was stronger because they had had a a committee that rallied behind the, the man on the street. And then... The Remain just decided that everybody's smart enough to figure out that the experts and these people and that were, no, where were you on the ground where people needed to hear this one-on-one touching? This whole point of having a campaign is not to sit in number 10 and and have press conferences and go into BBC and, you know, and, and explain. Yeah, but then I think we should more look at the Labour Party, you know, Jeremy Corbyn and his comrades. I mean... Um, he well, owned, his yeah. endorsement of, of the Remain campaign and of staying here was lukewarm, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. also throughout his whole career as a MP, as a member of parliament. He was never a big fan of the EU. Mm-hmm. So then to be asked as the EU leader, like, hey, can you give a big fat endorsement of the European Union? <laughs> it was kind of like the last thing he wanted to do, but he had to because of right. his party. So yeah, he did go out there. He did show his face. But, you know, they say, no, they say no. this referendum was decided by the by Labour voters yeah. in Labour's in heartlands, heartlands, in the north, in Leeds, in Yorkshire, Absolutely. you know, around Liverpool, Merseyside, um, Birmingham, Birmingham, definitely. I, I mean, that was a big yeah. shocker. Yeah. Couldn't believe it, you know. But, uh, 
yeah, um, he he gave no proper endorsement of, of, of the European Union. And I think a lot of Labour voters who were put off by Corbyn, who were definitely put off by uh, David Cameron, felt, you know what, we're going to vote against we're this We're going to vote against the system. And again, right. if someone has that argument, hey, you want to control your own house? Do you want to decide mm. where you put your mm. table in your living room? Definitely. It's an easy choice. So... I think Cameron made such a huge mistake, a historic mistake, a few years ago when he promised this weapon. Because back then, uh, you're skeptics, you, they were a minority. Absolutely. So, so you kind of thought, like, you know what, we're going to go for this referendum. Mm-hmm. We're going to win this, just like in 76, and when almost mm-hmm. 70% mm-hmm. of Brits endorsed the European Union, we're going to have a repeat show and it will all be fine. But the problem was, in my view, that obviously in the last two years, lots of stuff happened. You got the euro crisis shortly after Absolutely. he uh, issued a referendum. Then you got you got all the unrest in Eastern Europe with Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. Greece came through. I, I mean. And then obviously, I think one of the biggest mistakes, I'm not saying it was a mistake from her, but in terms of the impact on the referendum, was uh, Angela Merkel's decision to open, to open her borders. borders yeah. Because I think a lot of Brits here, they... they they looked at it in horror. Mm. Like, how, how could you, could you allow that to happen? Without screening, without proper checks. And racism seems to be the thing that kind of ruled the Leave campaign. As much as they say they're not, I, I'm not saying that every every single person who voted Leave based on the fact that immigration is a factor for them is a racist person or xenophobic. I, all I'm saying is that when you have leaders who are in position to kind of stop that rhetoric from even becoming a seed in anybody's mouth without saying, condoning that, that for me is a problem. That is one reason for me not to vote for you. Because how am I going to vote for someone who's going to allow other people to be racist, to go on and and target MPs on the streets and and, and knife them and shoot them? What kind of politician are you? No, I couldn't agree more. And I think uh, Nigel Farage and his movement at UKIP, definitely mm. uh, the way they address uh, foreigners, immigrants, is in my view appalling. And, and they keep saying they're not racist, but really? Yeah, of course. But racists always say they're not racist. Yeah. I mean, I've never met someone who is going to, oh, you got I am me a there. racist. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Even the Ku Klux Klan okay, is I'll saying be... they're not racist. No. <laughs> They, uh, you know, they got their ideology or whatever they call it. Yeah, no, I've never met someone. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. (laughs) But and Boris Johnson, I think, no, he's not a racist, uh, but he was just. I think he's an opportunist. Absolutely. He saw this opportunity. He thought, you know what? If I win this, I'll become prime minister. If I back Cameron and we win the referendum, then, you know, obviously Cameron's the hero. He will stay on for another couple of years. If we lose the referendum. Then I was on the losing side because I was on Cameron's mm-hmm. side and it will also take a while before I become PM. So he took a huge gamble, but he, yeah, he did it. And he kind of did a house of cards. <coughs> and politically it was a good move, you know, but um, do you really want to sell out your country, uh, the future of your nation and EU membership, which in my view is it transcends parties and, mm. you know, it's kind of like a fundamental mm. thing. Um and he had no issue with that. And I think that was, that, in my view, that makes him so, uh, he, that he has such a lack of politics. Advancing his own career goes far and beyond everything. And, and 
so therefore, I also think if you study Johnson a bit in the last few years as mayor of London and now in this campaign, I, I think he loves to battle. You he know? does. He loves I think he to likes to instigate things a little yeah, bit. Yeah, goes out there, the loves the camera, mm-hmm. loves interacting with mm-hmm. people, loves playing the showman. He thinks he's like the, the celebrity mm-hmm. of politics in the UK. That's how I see it. And he it. is. He is. I mean, you he know? is a showman. He's this, this blonde guy showing you up, know. acting all like whatever, like he's, he doesn't have it all under control. But in the meantime, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And uh, like years ago, I was at City Hall here in London and there was a press conference with uh, Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York uh, and the founder of Bloomberg News. And, um, and obviously Boris Johnson, who was hosting him. And while Bloomberg was speaking... Johnson sat there and there were two or three photographers right in front of me and he was posing, you know, like to the left, to the right, <laughs> show. So while his his guest his was speaking, guest speaking, he wasn't listening. He's posing he was posing away. He was posing away and making faces. And so that kind of told me like, wow, this guy really loves the he attention. Loves it. He does love the camera. And though. it also means there's a lack of focus because yeah. situations like that, yeah. what if he has a state visit and, and I, then he just <clears throat> decides to start dancing in the middle of the Chinese <clears throat> Prime Minister's or President banquet. President you know? <laughs> Clinton slash President Trump is visiting, and he's just posing, yeah. but he's not paying attention. He's not paying attention. I, Decisions are going to be made with, as we say in South Africa, <laughs> a loose cop. You know, just a loose head, just <laughs> on the run in the political arena. The funny thing about all of this is that the, the entire campaign, it was that whole, the, I don't even know why they didn't just go out and just say what it is. It's the battle of Cameron versus Johnson. Because that's what happened in the end. It really was all about that. It's like these two boys who come from the same background, the same da-da-da-da, but this one same has... School, same um, school. This one has a little bit more of this. This one has always been cool. This one has always been focused. Yeah. And just like that whole tag-teaming things, like we're at WWE. Like, seriously... This is a country <laughs> with people. Okay? What, is, what is WWE? The World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what the... <laughs> what the F? <laughs> I was like, hey, I haven't heard that one before. What? <laughs> it's not one TM. <laughs> no, but I mean, when you think about it, so it was like we're back at school again. You know, the popular mm. kid versus the... I don't know. Is he a nerd? I guess he is kind of geeky. Yeah, a little bit. he's kind of geeky. Although I think you know, he's not the good-looking you know football player. I think Cameron is good-looking. I mean, relatively to some of the politicians in that house, he's relatively handsome. Yeah, if you go for that look, you know, tough look. He's very know. British. Yeah, they have a clean schoolboy shape. Yeah, you know, tough. No, rah 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 rah. That's your type. That's not my type, but it's <laughs> Johnson more your type. No, you see, the thing is, it's what we just said that he would be a little bit kind of like a loose cop. He'd just be like everywhere, and to kind of tame that kind of beast. Mm. I agree with you. Who in the campaign did you think that had, you know, the hot factor? I'm like, well, just curious I mean, now. I, this is just a... Okay, off topic, but uh, <laughs> but still in politics. I think, um, I really like, what's his name? Um, I bet you're going to say Chuka Umun. I do like Chuka. He's very <laughs> handsome, you know, but uh, let me see who else is. You know what? I actually think Khan is not bad. No, a bit short. But... He's a bit short, but... Charismatic. Charismatic, very passionate. Yeah, well-spoken. You know, well-spoken and give him a couple of, give him 10, 10 years and then hopefully he'll be ready to take up. But he's not going to be any taller than Tevi. 
No, he won't be any taller, but he might be prime minister. Right, right. Then it doesn't really matter if you're tall or short. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what's the name? Trump's wife. Do you really think she thinks up every morning and says, yeah, I'm, I'm married the most good looking person on the planet. No, she's just like, this bitch has money. Mm. He's got planes. I can travel for free anyway. He's got casinos. And he might be president because <clears throat> these damn motherfucking people are stupid. <laughs> so I'm just going to be sleeping next to the president, not next to, you know, the hottest man on the planet. Yeah, true, true. But it's funny that you mentioned his wife. I mean, uh, Boris Johnson's wife, Marina, Turkish. Yeah. Nigel Farage's wife. Uh, German. German. Uh, fascinating, you know. Like, how does, I, I'm not how does saying that, that you should shape your policies on around, your personal life. Yeah, but, but surely lifestyle and the kind of people you surround yourself do influence how you think about the world. Maybe he looked, maybe Nigel Farage looked at his uh, German <laughs> family in law and he thought, that, that. That's it. I need to get rid of them. Never again. <laughs> I got to make sure that my mom in law cannot come for dinner. You how know? do I get rid of them? No Christmas there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Turkey solved. And that surprised me that during this whole campaign that Turkey was such a big uh, topic of, of discussion. You know, like, It was. And just a few days after in the spotlight terrorist attack mm. and something that's going to get people talking again that look this is exactly what we're talking about we open our borders this is the kind of stuff that's going to be following us because i must say there there were a few moments during this campaign that i was really disgusted you know? i was too like or appalled that you really thought really really is this the level that we're this is the level at? we're stooping at yeah mm. and i think the leaf campaign really reached a low when uh, actually on my doormat at home in North London, when I found a leaflet saying like, you know, whatever the 10 reasons mm. why you should vote to leave the European mm. Union. And one of them was Turkey, and I quote, Turkey is set to join the EU. And then you saw a map, I don't know if you've seen it, of Syria. Yes. And of Lebanon. Yes. And they kind of hinted, they kind of suggested, hey, even those countries could join in the short term. And I thought that was just appalling because Turkey obviously is never going to join, or yeah. at least not anytime not for, soon. Not anytime soon. Yeah, there's a lot that still needs to go through that country. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, and that was, I think, a proper, if you say, project fear, as they mm. called it all the time about the Remain camp. I think that's what they did a bit. So over. project fear, the Leave campaign, continues with their racist and xenophobia undertones, and then project Remain continued with the elitist behavior and not ground-rooting the real issue why we well, should I say... Well, I, I'm not so sure if it was their elitist behavior, but although it is a fact indeed that the elite, that the establishment, all the former prime ministers, all the European leaders, Obama, you know, all most of the members of parliament, most of the businesses... What I mean is in terms of how, how they spoke to the people... You know, the Leave campaign spoke to the people in languages that they can understand in basic language. And the Leave campaign, with their experts, talking about experts all fucking day, like, <laughs> dude, okay, we get it. Yeah. But how about you tell me how this is going to affect me when I go and buy my, you know, liter of milk in the morning or yeah. my bread or that two-for-one chickens that you all run after to go buy. It's all coming to an end. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean about the language? Like, I just felt like the elitism that I'm talking yeah, about is just based on the on the language that they chose to push their their side yeah, of the... Of, of, you're of totally the, right, because what surprised me, it, it, it was 
all about money. It's yeah. also about cash. You know, if you leave the EU, you get your 350 million a week back right. and we're going to put it in right. the NHS. Hey, if you stay in the EU, then whatever the financial All benefits. those rules that kind of for, for young businesses or, or new businesses, we're going to, because how many rules can you have in the EU? We have too many rules. We're going to scrape all of those. Yeah, and those in, the, in that sense, you know, it was kind of like, and if we leave the EU, then no recession, no impact on your pension. So that in that sense, you could say that was a bit negative. Um, But it was all about cash. It was, it was all about yeah, money. Yeah. Like, okay, how is it going to affect my wallet? How is it going to affect my... my uh, because yeah, you my chose one savings. part of the, the system that people care about. Yeah, because... What which I, is their livelihood. What surprised me a little bit is that you never heard anything about, you know, the whole idea, the whole project behind the European Union. No. You know, Second World War ended, nations came together. You know, we have now 60, 70 years of peace and stability in Europe. If they had focused, maybe, but I'm just speculating, but maybe a bit more on that and said, like... You know, um, ever since 1945, 46, we have had peace. You know, the European Union grew. Nations that were our enemy 25, 30 years ago are now our members, our friends, our partners, our allies. We have a Not say in controlling them in yeah, some way or the other. And we can work together. We can veto certain things. We can accept certain things. No, it was nothing of that sort. And in that sense, it was a bit, a bit of a pity. Uh, that you know, and that I, th I guess the UK has always been like that. That they're so focused on their domestic policies and mm. their own interests that at the end of the day, that argument may not have worked. Because is that an island mentality? You think maybe it is a bit. Yeah, I think if you look at, for example, Japan, domestic politics is always you know the first four items on the news. Mm. Uh, they don't care too much what's happening in their big neighbor China mm. or in other parts of Asia or in the states. Um, I think Australia, you know, mm. super far away, mm -hmm. they always focus mm. a bit on, you know, what's happening in their own country. Also, they have a pretty strict uh, regime towards outsiders. Outsiders, yeah. yeah? Uh, refugees, immigrants, whatever you want to call them. Oh, what other islands do we? Madagascar. I have no clue how it's arranged. Seychelles. I don't, I've been to the Seychelles. I don't think I've ever seen an item on the news about America. Cuba. Now, Cuba is looking up. Cuba's, Cuba's looking up. There's hope. There's Maybe hope. Cuba There's hope because it's, you. you know, it's integrating now. Let's talk about what we've left behind. Let's go down memory lane and reminisce about what we're going to lose. The world was such a different place last week, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. It has changed so much. <laughs> the buses are not red anymore. I know. It stopped raining here. Suddenly... The island is blooming. It's actually kind of freaky that the last <clears throat> six days, the weather was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even the leavers, if you saw that in the uh, Nigel Farage's speech, a new dawn, sun has come up, They really exploited that a bit, which... They were, I mean, whoever was doing their PR and the graphics and stuff, they were really good. Besides the bus thing, I always think once you start putting things on a bus, you know, you're really going grassroots. Then you really like, go for it. Yeah. yeah, you're really going for it. But here's an irony, here's irony for you. So we get out of the EU. Four days later, England plays against Iceland. And what happens... Double Brexit. Double Brexit. Brexit And everybody is now really, really depressed. <laughs> because now there's no football and drinking at the pub. <laughs> and we've been beaten by Iceland? Really? Another island. Funny thing is, like, what you saw on the news, after they were beaten, after they were out of the Euros, there some of them said, well, mate, um, I cared more about the Euros than the European Union. And that kind of scared me a bit. That yeah. I thought, sure, football is fun, and I enjoy it, and I love it, and it's great, but... 
you know, some of them don't really really realize the impact. So that's a pity and a shame. You know, on Google, the most asked questions or Googled questions was, what is the EU and what does it mean to leave the, the European Union? How can people still be asking those two questions, which by rule should have been answered during the campaign trail? Yeah, totally. Like, again, it may also have been a lot of people who didn't vote, because eh? obviously there were still, I don't think, 25, 28% that never went to the polls. And only the next day, when they went out, they and others might have thought, like, oh my God, this is really happening. We're, we're leaving this family, we're leaving this, this club of nations. Mm, what was it anyway? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we're all together, blah, blah, blah. Some of them, after they Googled it, you never know, they might have felt relief and said, yeah, do you see that free movement of people or labor? You know, great. With what we have now, the. Okay, we're obviously speaking in terms of hypothetical uh, questions and answers because nothing has been moved. Article, what is it, 59, 50 hasn't been pushed. 50, yeah. 50 hasn't been pushed through. And there's still another two years before all those negotiations come to an end with a new prime minister amidst all of that. Yeah, what the good thing is, I would say, like, um, for for... Europeans like me, if you have been here longer than five years under uh, EU law, then you automatically acquire, mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything for it, no application, uh, you automatically overnight acquire the uh, permanent residency state. So right. If you've been in the country for five years, and for example, I've been here for eight years at least, um, then... Uh, so when you when you apply with the Home Office for permanent residency, it's merely a confirmation of your right. Mm -hmm. So even if they stop you at Heathrow now and you say, well, I'm a permanent resident and you can show, huh, uh, for example, through your national insurance number, like, hey, pay tax here for five years, there's little they can do. And luckily the leavers also said, yes, everyone who came in legally has been here for a number uh, of years, they can all stay. But of course, for newcomers, if you just arrived in England last week... It's going to be very difficult. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's, it's an uncertainty. And I'm, I'm not so concerned about those people because at the end of the day, immigrants or always go where the work is and where the money is. And, you know, if you believe all the forecasts and, you know, credit rating down, Vodafone said today they might move their headquarters out. Of I know, Visa said the same thing too. Yeah, yeah. you know, if that's going to materialize, it will be a scary situation where maybe a lot of jobs will move to Frankfurt or to Paris or maybe even Amsterdam or Madrid. But um, we're not there yet, obviously. Mm. But what I'm most concerned about, and I think what a lot of Brits don't realize is, if they leave the EU, who's going to clean all those offices? Mm -hmm. Who's going to do the dishes in all those mm -hmm. restaurants? Who's going to work in the farms that they don't want to work in? Yeah, who's going to do all those jobs that a lot of Brits don't want to do? And and then we're really talking about a million and a half, you know, mm -hmm. like a significant number of people. Uh, and if you suddenly make them illegal or if you suddenly tell them to leave the country, uh, it might lead to really undesired situations. Mm. My thing is 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 how the media continues to play on the hyped up word of immigration, refugee, migrant, and expat. Yeah. Because if you're if you're a white immigrant, you're an expat. Any yeah. other color, you're an immigrant. And what I don't really uh, understand, because an expat, in my view, is always someone who's sent to a country, yeah, to his own company, or got a local contract for a year or two. That's generally the people you refer to in you know, Asia, South America, often Westerners, but it could also be Africans or Americans, obviously, or others. 
you know, who there temporarily work for an international company and go back home. Like, for example, I don't really consider myself an expat mm-hmm. because I came to this country, I studied, mm-hmm. I took a job that, <laughs> hate to say, but otherwise probably an Englishman would have taken, mm. um, you know, I, and, and I build a career here. I, 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 I acquired a property here. You kind of settled here. You're in a relationship here. And that's usually not an expat. So, yeah, I would say immigrants... Although is long term, yeah. An expert is short short lived. Yeah, and also short lived immigration. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah, mm. I think so. Expert is it sounds so. It sounds so glamorous. It and does because if you're a British person who moves to Spain, you're usually referred to as an expat, even if you are there on a permanent basis. Yeah, the that's irony right. of all of this. You're there to retire and die. At yeah, least oh. a million Brits. All they do is. You know, is moved to sunnier places to go die there. Yeah, in Spain, you know, there are lots of villages along along the Costa Brava where they acquire properties, they live on their British pensions, pensions in pounds, which have gone down significantly mm. now because the pound plummeted a bit since Thursday. So that also means the standard of living for them in Spain or France has become much more expensive. And... Um, and I think for them, that's that's a huge issue. And yeah, they're referred to as expats, yeah. but they don't work. They are, many of them only hang around with Brits, and that's that's fine, of course. But you kind of like, you know, move your local community in England to, to sunnier place. Yeah. yeah, and you continue living there. So it will be very interesting to see how this will play out for that group. Because, they, you know, apart from buying houses and spending their money in restaurant shops and bars, they don't contribute hugely to, to the economy there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it all depends on the exit deal. If they're going to be really tough on, on, on Europeans here, then the Spanish and Italians. Are also going to retaliate. Yeah. yeah, and that is definitely something the UK government will, will try to avoid because generally older people, and especially people who are retired in Spain, they have a bit of money mm. to spend. Mm. They do have a vote. And you don't want to outrage them and all their family members here in UK. Because can you imagine all these people have children living and working here? And what if you get stories? My mom was forced out of Spain. My dad had to leave the country. My whatever brother was screwed over by the Spanish authorities. It will come back to bite. It will bite them because then there will be another property bubble like we saw saw with the... The economic turbulence of of 20, 2008, <clears throat> the subprime mortgage situation, and then you'll find like properties just being left there. People just say, "Okay, we'll just sell and go home." If mm. if you're gonna treat us like that, but what I'm more interested in is the fact that yes, Britain might have decided to leave the U- European Union. What happens then now? Because the freedom of movement is not only one sided, but it's all every single person who's under that umbrella, and so now you've got young Brits who are never going to get an easier transition into a European country to go study, learn cultural experiences, that kind of stuff. It's going to affect them. Totally. I mean, like, uh, for example, the morning after the referendum, I went, I went to my office and was having a chat with one of my colleagues. And I said, oh, man, you know, I'm super disappointed about this. And, of course, you're reassessing your own situation um, and, and, and the passport that you hold. And then she said to me, like, oh, come on, give me a break. You know, you still have a European Union passport in right. a number of years. But we young Brits, we're not, we may not get the benefits of studying in Europe, having all these exchange programs, having all these European funds to whatever do culturally and whatever. So it may 
for or festivals or other things that are hugely important for younger people. So yeah, yeah, totally, that might be an issue. And uh, of course, you know, Brits will still go to Europe and you can still travel and you can still go. But yeah, it may involve more paperwork, more checks, mm -hmm. uh, more applications. And, you and they'll make it difficult just to prove a point because let's remember that under the umbrella of the member states that are part of the EU, you have to teach the other people a lesson. You have to tell them in advance that you are not going to do this because if you do the same thing that that Britain has done, you're going to find yourself in this kind of position. We're not going to be lenient to you. I feel like that's the rhetoric that's coming out of Brussels right now or Luxembourg. Yeah, absolutely, especially from the European Commission. Mm. So, uh, you know, those who are in, in charge of the day-to-day -day running of the European Union, of course, they're angry. They feel dumped by, by Britain, you know. Right. For years and years, they sat on their thrones and had all these countries in Eastern and Southern Europe begging them for money, begging them to join. So they always kind of felt like, wow, we're this powerful block of nations no one's ever going to say no to us. You know, we are representing 500 million people in all these 28 states. Mm. And now, for the very first time, one country has said, you know what? We can do without you. You guys keep it. Yeah. We are out of here. We can Where's do without exit? you, honey. Yeah. Mm -mm, we're done. This is becoming a very bad divorce. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't think so because I do, or you never know. But, of course, your first response when someone dumps you or breaks up with you is you're angry and you're bitter. But, hey, afterwards... If you're not too frustrated, and the European Commission might be, but if you're practical, like Angela Merkel from Germany, her car uh, industry is, is hugely important for um, uh, for her country, and a lot of export goes to the UK. And also what you heard from her in the last few days, that she said, well, let's give Britain a bit of time, and we're going to work things out, right. and let's act like you know mature adults. So I do think... That over time, and luckily we have, you know, we're not talking about a few weeks or a few months. We're talking about years. Mm. You know, maybe there's a new government. Maybe in those European countries, there are new governments who have not experienced that uh, Brexit sentiment and who are, you know, operating of a more practical nature. So then it may be, it may well be the case that they say, you know what, um, let's work things out. But yeah, if it's up to, for example, someone like Jean-Claude Juncker, I think he... He really wants yeah, to make an example of it. Yeah. Especially when Nigel Farage is in fucking parliament parading <laughs> like a fucking dying peacock. <laughs> you know, he was saying something like, I think his words were like, I, when I got here three years ago, two years ago, <laughs> you all sat there when I told you. We're you're gonna not laughing now, You're not you? laughing now, are you? I was like, really? <laughs> How? I mean, talk about throwing your toys out of the fucking pram, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously, calm down. I mean, I must say, I'm definitely not a big fan of him, and I will never defend him. But, you know, did you not feel a little bit when he said, you're not laughing now, are you? you I mean, yeah, like, point, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. But I was like, it's Nigel, so I'm not supposed to no, clap at this. Don't I will laugh. not clap at this. You can never mean, admit that you no. laughed. Never. We didn't laugh. Did you laugh? I laughed. La I did was you like, laugh? Oh, well, no, you no. know you all did. You know you all did. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean that those that that kind of arrogance that like, yeah, we've left you now. You know. Yeah, but also the arrogance from the European Commission and the European They're very right now, they it's they're sore losers. I get it. Yeah. You know, you know they, they they feel betrayed, yeah. they feel dumped and they want revenge. Absolutely. And hopefully, you know, Mrs. Merkel, our big German angel. The big angel, German angel is going to pull everybody together. And she's going to like say, pull Come everybody guys, together. Yeah. Calm down, Mr. Juncker. Calm down, Martin Schulz from the European Parliament. 
let's work things out. And hopefully, I mean, and it obviously also depends on the British government. If you get how, how who's going to be the next prime minister? Yeah, if it's yeah. Boris Johnson, then I'm not so sure if this is all going to go so smoothly and so friendly. Um, but yeah, time will tell, and we have to see. And luckily, we still have a long way to go. Today, we spoke about some companies saying that there is a possibility of them leaving if this does indeed go through. Uh, Ryanair, which is obviously... They're flying out. Cheap, They're done. Cheap flights, you know, that's that's how we get around Europe. They've already started thinking about where to base extra, you know, some of the extra airlines because you can't just rely on the UK to think that people are going to be taking holidays and going out for business. You have to think about all the other people. Yeah, and also the, the, the what is the aviation agreements they have within Europe. Yeah. That needs to be renegotiated. So that might be a yeah. bit of an issue and it might cause delay for them. And also I think Ryanair is based in Ireland. In Ireland, But yeah. their main hub is here, obviously, you know, Stansted, mm-hmm. Gatwick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for the, like in the short term, definitely you won't see... Uh, any difference, you know, even next year, next summer, you can still fly. I think so, too. I think it's going to take a little bit. I think I'm saying maximum two years. I'm saying until the next election. Then we really know what the real problems are. Yeah. Because leading up to this, we have to deal first with the unstable political system that we have. Both parties are going through a transformation right now, whether Labour wants to admit it or not, or Corbyn wants to admit it or not, but that is happening. Mm-hmm. And no, uh, he's been scolded by the Prime Minister today saying, you need to just step out because yeah. this process is just not working <laughs> out, dude. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, he needs to go. I think he needs to go. I mean, <laughs> that's just becoming ridiculous. It's a soap opera. It scene. is a soap opera. I'm folding for days now. You're going to feel like, okay, your own MPs don't back don't, you. Yeah. I want you to go. That's like 80% of your socially, own people. Don't you think he's... Ex- he's inept. He's socially inept. Yeah, sure. and he's socially He's so awkward, awkward. And he doesn't know how to act. No, he's you not... Know? He doesn't have the vavages of like a prime minister. Like somebody who we're going to say... Oh, no, yeah. far from it. No. And he's got good points. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Tabum Beki. Yeah. Like, you know, a learned person. Like, he's a scholar, you know? Everything with him is, like, really internal. He philosophizes everything, internalizes everything. It's like he tries to find the nitty-gritty out of, like, if you say the dog went out for a walk. And it's Mm. like he takes that and wants to deconstruct that. And and it takes that takes way too long. That's why you got to be a professor and be able to or be a scientist of some sort to be able to have time to do all those kind of research but when it's in politics it's so fluid things move so fast and True. people want to see yeah but like Mumbeki <clears throat> had kind of like he was a bit of a statesman even though he was an academic quiet dignified, reserved, dignified but Corbyn I think I, it's more like a Greenpeace activist to me you know I could see him chaining himself to a power plant <laughs> or a ship shouting and I could see him sitting in you know some squatter house in Stop East London drilling. with his pupils lecturing him and yeah some of the stuff he's saying might be good might be true I mean it's all subjective you know some people think he has great views others not he's too left wing for me and he also for me it doesn't work because a lot of his plans and all of his proposals you're never going to win an election with no. it. No. And that's the thing. Hey, what the re, uh, what the Labour Party should realize is like, okay, dude, you're never going to win you're not gonna an election win. with this And guy. we're not going to win. So even though he's nice or fun or cool or academic or you like him or genuine or his integrity is, uh, uh, is unquestionably uh, strong, no way. He's, he's never going to win. So ditch him and move on. And then I hope we get Chuka. I know. I want Chuka. Chuka.
Yeah, I'm for. <laughs> that could be a slow. Go. I know. I could see him going to Tower Hamlets. Come on, guys. Come on, two, two, Anyway, but <laughs> so now, I mean, do you think Boris is going to be prime minister? Can he be prime minister? Because now his own cap is saying, "Watch mm. out for him." Leaked emails from other politicians' wives coming out saying, <laughs> "Don't sign anything with him. He's not to be trusted." Yeah, you never know. You just need a bit of dirt on him, isn't it? And uh, and he's gone. So, you know, if one of those women comes forward or he's done something, what the British public would consider as immoral, then you never know. You know, politics is a it's a strange beast and it yeah, can go quickly. It changes very. But quickly. yeah, it, for now, it does look like it. You know, I, what I mean, about Theresa May? I don't really like her. I actually, I must say, I like her better, as he's better placed in my personal view than Boris Johnson. Also, I think Johnson is now, you know, he's divided the country so much that even though he might win a majority or might be backed by his own party, you know, he's loved by the leavers, or most of them, the ones who are not mm. regretting their votes since last week. But the Remain campaign, a lot of them can't stand them. So he and, is, we say, and if they decided to go into a general uh, election vote yeah. at some time next year or whenever but he's a prime minister or he would be prime minister if we came uh, he, they yeah. won't they won't win again yeah he's a prime minister of division then and 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 you need someone who wasn't part he's of the campaign and i think Theresa neutral. may did that so smartly that she was like hey you know what i keep i'm myself. just gonna keep outside of I, this i focus on uh, my main job which is uh which she shuts she's in charge of that. the home office yeah yes he's the home secretary and I'm not going to be part of all mm. the campaigning and the rallying and the speeches and the debates. And now it may pay off because the Conservative Party may realize. I'm looking at her as hey, someone who's experienced. You're compromised. We candidate. might have another female leader. I mean, that could be quite exciting. Yeah, and that's another argument. How cool would that be for the Tory Party? Because then they say, "Hey, this is already our second female." A second leader. female and, and Labour, Labour the Liberal fathers of the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> I still love the Guardian, though. You know, where where are your leaders? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you know who impressed me during this entire campaign? Yeah. Ruth Davidson. Because otherwise it's a blunder. I do. Like, Ruth Davidson and I think she's impressed got it all. me so much. Same here, yeah. Totally. He, she, she was so eloquent, so controlled, kept to the points, objected when she needed to. And, you know, because sometimes they, when you have those kind of debates where a lot of the times women are not given that kind of platform to right, be right. strong without being angry, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, she wasn't an angry woman. You know what I mean? Deep. Like, oh God, there goes another angry bird. She was just a really smart woman debating. And what I really liked during that last debate on the BBC, do great debate mm-hmm, at mm-hmm, Wembley, mm-hmm. She knew how to work the crowd. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and they loved it. And she was really like, it's not good enough. And they were cheering and clapping yeah, and yeah. enjoying it. And totally, I think, personally, but hey, you never know. I think she's got everything to become a great a prime minister mm-hmm. one day. Because mm-hmm. A, she is from the Tory party, which mm-hmm. is, you know, often in the last 10, 15 years or whatever, or 10 years. Nine years <laughs> is a is 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 a plus uh, yeah. generally. She's from Scotland, so she could also pull you know Labour Hardland and the Scottish people, and mm-hmm. and she comes across as normal and yeah. down to earth, approachable, and, and yeah, and working class. Mm. You know, mm. not a show off, not a tough. Didn't go to like an expensive yeah. 
private school, didn't study in Oxford, as far as I know. <laughs> I haven't looked into her bio, actually. But you know what I mean? She has everything that you say, hey, she could appeal to a lot of people, and you only need a majority to win. So Absolutely. That's a name to watch. That's, a, and that's I'm definitely watch a name to, to watch out for in the future. Ruth, you did amazing. You did amazing, amazing. She probably looks back on this campaign, hey, it's a shame we lost. But I still... I am. She, she basically came out a winner in all of this. Looking between her and Boris, who was dismal mm -hmm. when it came down to debating. Because, one, I couldn't hear how, anything he had to say under that whole... Who I personally think really failed during this campaign and really showed that he could never be a man of the people, so say, is Michael Gove. You yes. Know? It's, 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 but it's he just has this evilness awkward, about him. An awkward, academic, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, like elitist. Mm. And mm. when he speaks to people, it's like he's lecturing them. So I think a lot of people were like, really, we need to vote for him. Hey, but luckily there was Boris staying right next to him and he appealed. Uh, but yeah, Michael Gove is someone that I I, should, I think he's great at strategy. Yeah, he's one of those like advisors. It's somebody yeah. you need in the background to kind of like... Is good at spin. Right, at spin. But in the public eye, I think he's... he's kind of like the, you know, the, I'm not going to say dark, sinister, but he's like the driving he force is. behind He is, he is. You know, he, when they sit in their uh, little leaf headquarters and they were planning and plotting, I bet he was speaking all the time. Yeah. And Boris was just listening and nodding. Because that's what he does best. Listening and nodding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not probably sure about listening. Probably fluffing his hair at some point in time. I'm not sure about listening, but definitely uh, nodding and smiling and laughing and waving. I wanted to address this because I feel like a lot of people think that if you're an immigrant, you automatically have this leeway to public systems and whatnot. And, hey, we are getting houses for free. And I just want to tell people that, you know, as I'm a South African immigrant living in, in the UK, and I can tell you this, I've gone through every kind of visa situation you can think of. And the one thing that is clearly stated in, in, in my visas up until this point of to remain in the UK is a point to stress that you do not have access to public uh, uh, recourses, Funds, yeah. you know. So don't even think about it. If you don't mm -hmm. have a job, it's time to go back home. And contrary to what people think, that's how majority of us immigrants who are outside of the EU feel. If I'm struggling here, I might as well go home and struggle at home in the devil that I know instead of the devil that I don't know. So that whole thing of saying that we are here to, and I'm only speaking about myself in this because I'm not from Europe. I'm not from Australia. I'm not from New Zealand. I don't know what they do here. I'm merely stating what I know. And what I know is that that kind of narrative is the kind of narrative that makes xenophobia and racism intensify because you don't tell people the real truth. You don't tell them what happens. And I like the idea that Cameron went back and had those negotiations and said, yes, from now on, anyone from the European Union who comes in, they have to stay here for five years, contribute towards uh, taxes before they can claim any kind of benefit. I like that idea mm -hmm. because I already live that idea. Yeah. You know, so I think that what the leave or the leave did very well is kind of not even mention that because if the Remain had mentioned that to begin with, to kind of act that whole immigrants are stealing your jobs and say, listen, we have free movement both here in Britain and both from the European unions. If we go out, you're not going to be able to go study there for the same amount of price that you're studying there 
you could no, be studying yeah. here at home. And um, th- these people who come in from outside, they need to be on this course. These are the things that we've implemented. These people who are from the European Union, we want to introduce these sort of things that are going to help kind of curb that sort of migration in into you know, stealing public funds or whatever. Yeah, and I can totally understand, you know, that they wanted something, that they want to erect some sort of wall because obviously, you know, that the, the UK is, is, is hugely attractive for, for immigrants mm. more than, I mean, Germany as well, obviously. But, you know, so many people come here from all walks of life mm-hmm. and all different backgrounds and countries and nations and religions and cultures. And I believe every year, like, hey, we're going to make this, our home and we get in legal or illegally mm. because obviously there are also significant numbers who arrive in the UK illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I do understand that sentiment like, hey, wow, we need to slow this down. Mm. And I do think the package they came up with in Brussels was fair. I thought it was fair. Yeah, you need to work for four years at least, pay taxes. And then pay taxes and then contribute. If you can't find a job, you need to go. Within three or six months, you, you need, need to, to start looking. Home. Yeah, that's a fair. That's a fair proposal. Absolutely, I think so too. And it was that was the, the weirdest thing. It, it went further than all the other member states. Yeah. you know, you don't have that when you go to Portugal or Germany no. or Austria. Not at all. The UK was an exception. So I can imagine that some people say in Brussels, like, "Hey, the UK has held they us throw hostage." Throwing toys all the th- time. No, but for thirty years they held us hostage. You know, they're always complaining, and Tar- Thatcher wanted her money back, and they went- didn't want to take part in Schengen, and then they didn't want the Euro, and they're constantly on the sideline bitching and criticizing, mm. and now they want an exception mm. for the immigrant policy that we he- have here in the European Union. Enough is enough. Mm. So, obviously, they wanted to keep Britain in the European Union, mm-hmm. but there may be some people in Brussels say, you know what? Then take it or leave it, you know? You be- you're either in, and you're fully, you're fully in, in. in or you're out. Or you're out. And now it's a leap in the dark. Now they're out, or well, not yet, but they're set to go out. And um, yeah, it will be very interesting, you know, in five years or ten years from now, what kind of country this will be? Will it still be economically strong, fifth economy of the world? It's the fourth or far, mm-hmm. fifth largest um, army with a financial center around the corner here, mile down the road. You know, Europe's arguably, arguably the world's largest financial center. If that's still the case, I'm not sure, you know what I mean? Because yeah. if you don't have access to the internal market, it may be that in five or ten years uh, down the line that, that the UK is just another Spain or another Italy or, or, or and not so much a Southern European culture, but in terms of economy size mm-hmm. and in terms of importance. Mm. And and that Germany will be the real engine in Europe. And, and um, yeah, that will be interesting to see how that will play out. I hope not. But, uh, you know, it, it will solve the problem because if the economy is, you know, will go into Fairly a weak. proper recession, mm. will completely collapse, the pound will go down and stay down. Sure, immigrants are going to go and then little England will have just the way they want it. No immigrants because we all move away. You know, obviously, if that situation will occur and there are no more jobs here and the city will implode and companies will leave mm. and unemployment will go up. Maybe xenophobia and, 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 and uh, crime rates, mm-hmm. because often when that mm-hmm. happens, you mm-hmm. know, crime will go up. Maybe I'll say at some point, hey, Brits. I've had enough. See ya. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm going back to that uh, to the other side of the channel because I still have an EU passport. I, I mean, I've looked at this from both sides, you know, speaking 
on what you just said and adding on what you just said is say it does happen that we leave and i in some retarded way it could be a good idea for all the other struggling eu economies because now you're moving companies and businesses from one particular area that has been said to be the headquarters or the gateway into europe and you're spreading it out and maybe that is going to curb the high rate of of inland migration because companies now will go to places where it's cheaper to to have their bases there places like greece places like yeah you know what i mean i you, you never know you know like other people say hey the pound is going down now mm. so it means that um you know that our our exports or here in britain will become uh, uh cheaper you mm. know it will be easier to to sell british goods abroad because you get, but it will be much more expensive to receive. Goods. Yeah, to buy the Absolutely. same British, uh, the same French, or the same German, or the same Italian goods to buy. You now, you now get less for your pounds, so yeah. to say. So it may lead to you know that the French wine or gasoline, which you know oils and dollars, mm. or other products in your local supermarket or shop or a restaurant, the prices will go up and yeah. the standard of living will become more expensive. So a lot of people who voted to leave may have shot themselves in the food in five mm. years from now. And they may start to notice, like, oh, my God, life is becoming much more expensive. expensive yeah. And then the divide, the gap between rich and poor, in the, which in the UK is already significant, it's might going to... grow a bit further. And, and that would be a pity, because then you really get a situation where um, the have-alls really rule the place, and where London will become, and, and as it is already a bit, a city for, for people with money mm. and where others, mainly in the north, and, and, and will be squeezed out of, of the system. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if the pound stays down, imports will become more expensive. Uh, and that will have an effect on all of us. And also, the UK might turn itself into a takeover target. Right. If the pound is down, and before, uh, as a foreign company, I don't know if you wanted to buy British Telecom or you wanted to buy another big Sky or whatever was well, right. Sky's Murdoch, so it's never going to happen. But like a big British company, Tesco, Sainsbury's, BT, Talk Talk, mm. whatever, and you say, hmm, before I had to pay a billion for it, but now I have to pay six hundred million for it. Mm. Let's move in. Let's snap it all up. So probably a lot of Chinese companies, a lot of Indians, gonna be moving in. They're sitting there. They're licking their fingers and they're waiting for their pound to plummet because they're like, come here, guys. This is our moment. We're gonna buy it all. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's very likely. So I know we've talked about the UK leaving the EU, but now do you think that there's going to be an overflow of other European countries thinking the same thing? We've There's been, well, at least Sky, and we know Sky is very sensationalist, but they've been interviewing people in a small little town in, 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 in the Netherlands. What do you think? Because uh, did they? On yeah, because you're Dutch, and I was really surprised by that. I was like, "Oh, really? Yeah, is no, this what's going on?" There is a movement in the Netherlands that that really wants to get out of the UK, in Sweden as well, and Austria, and obviously you have Marie Le Pen in France. So yeah, definitely the the, the risk is there. You know, mm. um, you never know. But the thing the European Union will now try to prevent is that a Brexit will go smoothly and will go painless mm. because what they want to show to all the other countries, like even if you're contemplating it, even if you're considering it, it's going to be, 
bloody. You but you better just not do uh, it. Don't even think about don't it. Don't even think about it's it. It's gonna be painful yeah. and it's gonna be long and it's gonna be it's gonna hurt your economy, hurt your people, and no one's better off by going uh, by leaving the EU. Obviously, all these countries and all these movements they're gonna watch the UK closely and see how they will evolve in the next six to twelve months. Right. And indeed, you know, if all these spooky scenarios do come true. Um, then it might be an issue, of course, for for or it might be an argument for the European Union to say, you see, don't go because you're gonna suffer and you're gonna be in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. But hey, if if the UK does bounce back and the pound stops plummeting or actually goes up again and companies do stay, and the damage is limited, then I can see all those movements in Sweden and the Netherlands and Austria and 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 even Italy and France actually say, you know what, we want a referendum as well, or we want some sort of vote, and we want to get out. And if that happens, then the whole union will implode, and I think that will be such a pity. Before this referendum started, we kept hearing the, you know, from the fear side of things that, oh, Russia is not going to be really happy that this is going to happen because it kind of puts them in a, in a, in a better position. Was that, was that echoed in in the world of journalism was people where people are really kind of talking about that a lot was that something that they were concerned about yeah i mean anyone who's considered an enemy or whatever of the european union mm. or europe generally yeah they'll be happy with this you know the chinese um, an enemy is maybe a strong word but like a rival or competitor mm. whatever you want to call it um Totally, I think the Chinese kind of love this. The Russians definitely love this because it makes the European Union weaker. Weaker. Yeah, it makes them, you know, in talks, in negotiations. Before eh, Jean-Claude Juncker, uh, the the Jean-Claude Juncker, the the president president. of of the European Commission, obviously he could say wherever he went in the world, hey, I represent the people of Germany and France and the United Kingdom. I represent all Brits. In the near future, that won't be the case. Mm. You know, suddenly the European Union has become smaller by over 60 million people and 15 to 20 percent of their economy. So that is a bit of an issue. Do you think what could the European Union have done in this kind of situation where a country is like, yes, we want to have our, our own referendum? I mean, is this a time for the organization themselves to kind of take a look at themselves and say, what are we not doing right? What, why is it? Absolutely. I mean, what you've heard in the last week uh, or, uh, since, since the referendum, the word reform mm. and European Union are constantly used in the same sentence by lots of leaders from European countries because a lot of them realize if we don't reform the way we work... We are going to be in the same position. Absolutely. Then we're just going to go on and on and, and your skepticism is going to grow yeah. in Europe. Um, so, yeah, I do think this will be a trigger for reform. It's just a pity that it's after it's, the UK. It's after the UK. Yeah. Right. Wouldn't like, it be nice if that happened Couldn't we have years? talked about this during negotiations <laughs> before? Like, why is this one country adamant that they don't want to be a part of these particular things? Should we not take a look at them and try to reform them? True. I could see one scenario where if, 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 if the European Union does reform indeed, drastically, uh, fundamentally, then who knows? Then maybe the UK may say a new government or like, hey guys, look what's They're happening. They're making changes. So yeah. maybe it's not such a bad idea. Look for... what's happening on the other side of the channel. Should we hold another referendum or the government, government will just never trigger that Article 50, although that's probably unlikely, but... Um, yeah, you don't know how that's going, but if, and, and that's also likely, you know, the European Union is so 
bureaucratic, so slow mm. moving. It's mm. so hard to take decisions and come to some sort of agreement that if they cannot, if they are unable to reform, then it's going to implode. It's going to eat itself. And uh, and that will be a pity. That will be a pity. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in the European Union. Yeah. In, 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 in the Netherlands, it's the heart of Western Europe. Yeah. You know, we got the Germans to the east, we got the French to the south. Well, there's first Belgium. Yeah, the Soviet Union still brewing in that side with the Eastern Europeans. Yeah, we got the English uh, or the Brits to, to the west. So we're very much, you know, where I grew up is in the heart of Western Europe, where you grew up in the European Union and, and in school, at home. Yeah, you were always uh, thought that, you know, uh, the EU is it's something just, positive. And yeah. It's good and it helps us. and brings nations together and it's good mm. for the economy and peace and slowly as the EU expands and all these issues come up and there's crisis after crisis yeah. you know, the euro crisis the refugee crisis ukraine then at some point a lot of people uh, start to wonder like well maybe this whole project has gone a bit too far mm. maybe we should just get the hell out like the brits are doing now you understand that in our lifetime we're not even like mid 30s and we've already gone through a black president in america which a lot of people thought would never happen i've gone through the end of apartheid into a new system in south africa into a new constitution a new country and now with the reviving of the old and there's also political unrest there then the brewing of a new soviet union yeah, and then a, now the exit of a European of the UK from the European Union. Obviously, from your side as a European, the Berlin Wall situation, joining the EU, being a part of that system, looking at Obama being the first president, black president. Now, here you are, a journalist in London, experiencing the unthinkable. Yeah, in that sense, from a professional point of view, this is a super it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, it's yeah. super exciting. So much stuff is happening. You know, a new prime minister in a few months, a deal with the European Union. How is the EU going to evolve and what's going to happen there? What's going to happen in Scotland? What's going to happen to the pound? What's going to happen to the Labour Party? And all these questions. So it's kind of like it's almost too much. You know? Right, right. There's only so much you can cover. I know. It's like Wooly Wonka in the candy store. Like, every, there's so much. Yeah. I mean, a freelance journalist I know said the other day, this is great because we need reporters. Yeah. We need journalists. So right. for for news production and, 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 and for news generally, that, that industry, this is probably a very, very exciting time. I mean, this is a very exciting year for politics when you look at it. You think now we've gone through this. In a couple of months, we're going to have to, or the Conservative Party is going to have to elect a new prime minister. Then after that, clearly Labour is not going to stick with Coburn, so he's going to go out. So that's going to be a new vote there. And then come November, we're in America watching the spectacle that's unraveling there. And as we all... In November, we, it's, I know. it's almost July. It's almost July. It's and so when you soon. think about it, that picture that has been on graffitied walls around cities of Boris kissing Trump is what I keep thinking about. As soon as they said we are out, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this picture is coming alive. This is ridiculous. It is happening. And if it can happen here, what is it to say that the Americans are not going to look at this and be like, hey, you know what I think? The people, the people stood up for themselves there. We are going to stand up for ourselves <laughs> and we are going to choose the idiots to represent us because we're doing the same thing. 
if they both win, they should actually once kiss on stage and I think so. I think they say, should just hey, give guys, us that. <laughs> there we go. Just give us that moment. Give yeah. us that because you know Hillary's not gonna do that. They will have that moment like <laughs> who's laughing now. <laughs> That will be scary. Though. That should go on a T-shirt. I think if you're a part of the Leave campaign and you really just want to rub it in people's face, <laughs> just put it on a T-shirt and be like, who's laughing now? Just on uh, Tuesday, they had announced that there was going to be about 50,000 protesters against this referendum outcome in Trafalgar Square. And it was cancelled because they thought security-wise, yeah. this is not right, blah, 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 Too blah. Too many blah. people would show and up. And I'm just thinking, yeah, but do you understand who is actually protesting? The same people who asked to remain. The same city that had the one of the majorities to, to, to remain. Uh, London is very cosmopolitan. Like you said, we all interact. We know at least two, three foreign people in our circles, you know. And so what is the point of coming out in these areas when really what you need to be doing is going out there in the Midlands and all those other people who are feeling disen disenfranchised and saying to them, listen, mm. it's, it's not as simple as you all think it is. No, but the vote is over now. And for the time being, a lot of people feel over there that they've won, that there's a new dawn, that the future will be different. It will be very difficult to convince them otherwise. So um, they need something tangible, something mm. they can get and understand, and they need to see proper change in order for them to change their mind. And I think if, if Europe is going to act like a bitch, so mm -hmm. to say, in the next two years, uh, they're only going to hate it more. Yeah. You know, because it's so easy. Because then it's going to be like, you see, this is why we wanted to leave. Yeah, and see, uh, this is what Europe is doing to us. And that's what all these politicians are going to say. Mm. Unemployment goes up or things go wrong. They're going to be like, Europe is holding us up. The shit is hitting the fan. They're right. like, no, it's Europe. It's Europe is doing to us. And then you get a nasty, narky situation where people generally start to hate Europe. Yeah. You know, where you get headlines on front pages of the Germans, whatever, are against us and the French are doing the, mm. that to us. And that's, of course, a scary situation, I think. I'm not saying that it maybe leads to war. Right, right. right. But it's, it's something that you think, wow, there's are old divisions. Now we're talking like 1950s, 60s. Absolutely. You know, before we're all brothers and our leaders all met every, what is it, six months and then they laughed and they had a group picture. And soon it may be the case that the British leader only sporadically crosses the channel. Mm. Like, oh my God, he's going to Europe for the first time in two years or whatever. Um, that will be a pity. And I mean, hopefully unlikely, but it's definitely possible. And it all depends on who is going to be there in 10 Downing Street and who's going to be in the States and how they will work together and how they will work with Europe. Like, I do think if Trump will win... Um, and here in the UK, Theresa May will win, for example. It may be really good for the relationship between yeah. the UK and Europe mm. because they all resent Trump. Right. But if it's Hillary, who's like a excellent networker, right. as he knows how to wrap people around their fingers. Then it's not good. Then it's kind of like, then she's going to like play, you know, She's going to safe, yeah. We'll, yeah. In terms of being a journalist practicing right now you're in the in the midst of things you see things happening all the time you're writing about it you're out there with your reporters doing stuff how is the rhetoric of what we're seeing right now in terms of racism and xenophobia do you think it's always been there brewing underneath i do think it's always been there you know mm -hmm. hatred towards mainly polish immigrants and romanians and bulgarians 
definitely there are lots of incidents every year in the last five to mm. ten years it's it's an ongoing thing but now obviously it's appealing for the media to put their spotlight on it and say hey look at that there are now divisions and yeah the number of cases may have gone up a bit definitely i mean i don't know i don't have any statistics but it's not something i wouldn't immediately jump in a bandwagon and say oh my god xenophobia is ruling this country mm. because there's still so many people out there every day in all parts of the country just want to get on with their lives mm. and who do like the immigrants they know yeah. or the Europeans they're either work with or in a relationship with or live next to. Right. But yeah, of course, you always have a bunch of ignorant people who now feel that last week's referendum result is kind it's of going like, to give them leeway to go out and be assholes. Yeah. Hey, we voted out. What are you still doing here? You know, that kind of rhetoric. Um, and that's, of course, a bit scary because if you're a hardworking nurse from Poland or you work, um, whatever, a Spanish Starbucks waitress or you work the in the Tesco. Or the yeah, Tesco's. Yeah. Like in, then, then you, I mean, I think at the upper levels in banks and business and law firms. It's different. People will think a little bit different because you constantly have to deal with different people from different backgrounds. Yeah, but something that you need to consider is. In, in, in business, banking, media, um, and law firms, legal, whatever, you will have maybe have considerations in certain executive and boardrooms that they say, hmm, who's up for promotion? Shall we go for the Brit or shall we go for the European that mm -hmm. may need a work visa and that may cost more mm. or who may leave at some point? Mm. Then, you know, before it was kind of like European or British doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because they have yeah. the same rights, right. in and out, whatever right. we want. Maybe in the future they may or It'll some be special may preferences and yeah, and that yeah. will be a pity, of course, yeah. if that's going to happen because then you kind of lose out on talent and you're going to look at people's background and not so much at people's talent, mm. and uh, that will be a pity. And then I think some people, I'm not saying myself, but at some point you may back up and think, hey, this is not working. What? This was great. Yeah, I love this island. I love this country, but it's changed too much. Yeah, it's time to go. How do you see it? How do you see the the future in the in, in the short term? Like I I think that the main thing is that if and when it you know Article Fifty has been implemented and we go through the two years and then we're out, it's like we you were saying we gotta wait until five years to really see how it's it's gonna hit working people and middle class people. And my worry is that you'll soon get rid of all the Europeans because of all the new laws and all the um, profiling and all these things and you're going to have to get new people to come in and do some of those the work that has been left by the gaps of those Europeans that have left and where are you going to go? You're going to turn into the Commonwealth obviously because we're the closest thing to, to, to the Brits and then you're going to have the same cycle where then there'll be borders open people will come in and then it'll be too much for people and then it'll be like well we've got way too many foreigners But at the end of the day, what needs to happen is the government needs to deal with the situations that are happening in areas that are not metropo metropolises. Yeah. Because that is the reason why this vote is has turned out the way it is. There's a lot of people who feel that they're just not being listened to. Yeah, and I think if I was a young Brit, I would be angry and I would be furious and I would feel that 
the Your older parents generation. failed you. Yeah, and that the older generation has stolen this result. Absolutely, they failed them. You know, a lot of people voted like already retired or it doesn't really matter for them anymore. They'll be dead in 20 years time. Yeah, or even five or, five or, or 20 or, what or 30. It, yeah. I mean, then... And, and for the younger generation, obviously, this has a much bigger impact. And, Absolutely. Um, and that's weird, you know, because the younger generation, it was a vote of hope and a mm. vote of staying mm. in and being united mm. and looking out, outwards. And um, the older generation felt like, I think some felt like, no, we need to go back to that British values. We need to be British. And the British. We've lost that. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being British. And British values, I, I treasure and like and appreciate. Uh, That's why we're here. We we yeah. You know, we wouldn't be here. But if I we believe that British values are compatible with 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 uh, with immigrants. You know, and right? That it's 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 always been part of. This we've we've history. always been known as yeah, people a country from, that that welcomes. Like for example, I grew up in the Netherlands, where you have groups from two or three countries, or four maybe. You know, Turkey, Morocco. The Netherlands until Suriname and then Indonesia, the former colonies, so to say, and and uh, not Tur not Morocco and Turkey, by the way, but um, and um, so it's it, it was never a multicultural society. It was always like three, four, five different cultures, and I was amazed when I moved for the first time to London that you had people from Malaysia, people from South Africa, and mm -hmm. Brazil, and the States, mm -hmm. and France, and Japan, and. You know, all Everyone is here. I think I met here in, in in the UK for the very first time someone from Nepal and Kazakhstan and Iceland. I just yeah. met somebody from Iceland. Here no, I, like, <laughs> I met someone from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. No, but it's just like you know, you just think, hey, like Vikings, they just stay in their own little <laughs> island, you know, being hipsters. They never get out. They never venture out. Why would <laughs> you want to venture out? And then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, they're I'm all here. hackers online. They're all yeah. you know doing some <laughs> other kind of crazy shit. So yeah, you know, or, you know, that I... No, but I mean, yeah, I see what you mean that, I mean, in, in between you and I, we probably know a, I met someone people here, for example. in every country in the world because of not only where we studied, but because of the work we do. And also the fact that we love people. We love to integrate with different people. We love to ask questions. We like, you know, we like to know what is their story. Yeah. You know, all these amazing things that make us human, really, at the end of the day. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you. And also, I believe, I mean, slightly naive. But I believe in what you give is what you get. Yeah. And if people come here and they're willing to work hard and participate, pay taxes, contribute to society, learn the language, love one another, uh, be productive members of the, their local communities. Totally. That's mm. cool. That's positive. And, and, and that others see that as or perceive that as a threat to their existence or to their culture or to their well-being or their welfare or their jobs. Yeah, that's a pity, I think, and it's a. Uh, it's a shame that that's that. And you find it mentality. in any country in the world, you know, Absolutely. Eastern Europe, in Germany, in Holland, but in Italy, um, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I never really thought they would get the upper hand here in the UK, and mm. that is different than when I came here for the very first time in two thousand three as a student. Mm. Went to law school here, exchange program. And then uh, Blair was still prime minister. Yeah. It was very much a message of hope and the winning spirit. Absolutely. And immigrants were welcomed, maybe a bit too much, but they were welcomed. Yeah. And um, 
And that has changed. The yeah. whole vibe has changed a bit. And obviously, we live here in a little bubble in London. Yeah, we don't, we don't really see the really the, what's no. going on in the We're real. We're not out England. there in the fields no. every morning no. in the Midlands, you know. Um, but I do think um, it may affect us because what happens in the rest of the country also affects, affects us. Yeah. So we are not a United Kingdom, really. No, but I mean, again, if you live in London. Uh, It's not really England. It's definitely not Scotland. It's not Wales. Same as if you live in Scotland, you know, how much affinity do you have with someone who lives in Cornwall or sure. in Wales? But yeah, that you, I mean, nowadays you would think, or this week, Queen, where are you? You know, you she was. You, she went to Ireland. She went to Northern Ireland. Yeah, that was because interesting. I, no, I, I actually understood why she would go there first, because if you have you know, a sector of your ruling that has always been quite vocal about being emancipated from you, that's probably the first place you need to go because that could be a problem. That's what the vote leavers should think about. Maybe there was a statement. She didn't come to the Midlands. No, she didn't. Maybe she was like, you know what, I'm going to that. She didn't even go to Scotland. Not yet. Do you yeah. think if she go, is going to Scotland next and then to Will or to London well that's where she lives but you know what I mean that she tours all those regions where they voted remain and because she can't really say anything she no, can't but say she anything can make but she can make a subtle statement a subtle statement but going, like going to Northern, to Northern Ireland, Ireland is the, a statement the Remainers itself. yeah you could I mean I don't want to abuse the Queen here in any way for any political message but you could uh, arguably say hey um, interesting she picked Northern Ireland as mm. her first stop and they they voted remain mm. So do you think the Queen is a Remainer? Hmm. That's an interesting one. I would imagine that in her compound, people are divided on this. What I really didn't like is that the Sun, I don't know if you saw the front page. Yeah, I did. I didn't like that. Yeah, apparently she asked, you know, uh, guests at her dinner party, uh, give me three good reasons why we should stay in the EU. And apparently someone had said, I couldn't give you one. And we all, and they all laughed. And I don't really believe that. And I think nah. to run such a story the day before the referendum was uh, was not proper journalism because I don't really think they had a source saying nah. that. You know, but hey, you she never she know. wouldn't she wouldn't do. I don't think with all her decorum and all she's learned over the years and her wisdom as as a ruling monarchy, she I don't think she would make such a stupid move knowing that there's always ears and eyes everywhere I but you know. had some funny leavers I don't know if you followed all the celebrities like Joan, yeah. Joan Collins I mean like, get out get out <laughs> <laughs> Liz Hurley get out <laughs> I couldn't believe it I was like and oh. who are these people they can, they can get on a jet and ship off to the Americas yeah. <laughs> these are the people like these kind of people who are always in positions of wealth and comfort telling us what to do. I always find it laughable because I'm like, mm. you have no idea what that everyday man has to do to get food on that table. You have no idea no, they, they, why people are thinking about their pensions and but stuff probably like that. a lot of leavers thought that about the remainers as well because the whole establishment was obviously in front of, uh, in True. favor of, uh, you know, staying in. So maybe they thought, what do you know? What do you know, Cameron? What do you know, Osborne? What do you know, Jeremy Clarkson or others? Like, I would have loved to sit here today and like, hey, what a cool result. Oh my God, I was so relieved when Remain the Remain victory came through. Mm. 
And now we're sitting here a week later, and we're all crying and picking up the pieces. I mean, I remember when I voted. Did you feel that this was an important? Oh yes, oh yes. You know, when I voted for the mayor, it was like, yeah, okay. I wasn't. I kind of started kind of getting into it like a week before the vote because I was like, if I'm gonna vote, I need to know who the heck is going on. <laughs> you know. But with this, I mean, we had months. Yeah. To digest all of this crap. And in the last week, I was like, you know what? What I want to do is I just want to listen. I want the facts. I'm going to read everything I can on on the EU. I'm going to read everything I can on why people want to leave. And then I'm going to make my, 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 my decision based on how this is going to affect not only myself, the children that I may have in the future, the young people who are, who are coming up right now, and the future of a country that I completely love and I have made a life here and this is how the people have voted. I mean, we, we you know, we can cry wolf right now. So do you think that is. this is how the people have voted? And of course, you know, I, I believe in democracy, you know. For example, David Lemmy, that MP for Tottenham, he said a few days ago, hey, parliaments can still overrule this. Yeah. I, mean, I actually thought, because I'm a Romanian, oh, please do. Yeah, I, I, I mean. But that makes us hypocrites, doesn't it? Whenever the, whenever the result suits us, we think... This then we're happy about them. Yeah, if it had been, for example, if we had been... Uh, if we had, Yeah, well, we are Remainers, and if Remain had won, and then an MP said, no, Parliament can still overrule that and still turn it into a leave mm. EU, we would be outraged. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do accept that I'm a bit of a hypocrite there. I mean, we can... We can go on about this. No, we're not going to end on a note that I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> Those cannot be my final words. <laughs> okay, we'll find something for you to end with. But, but in the end, we can. everything we're saying obviously is hypothetical until the new prime minister comes in and until we, uh, we understand how this Article 50 is going to play out and how the Europeans are going to react to this. And You know what be, I think we should do in a year's time from now... Or, or six months at spring, you should sit here and have this conversation again. And, and see how things have and changed. And see how it has or hasn't changed, yeah. I agree with that. Deal, let's do it. Okay. I feel like we need something very British to drink on that on that shake, like maybe a beer or something. Is a beer very British? That's very German, isn't it? I don't know, but they drink Pimps. a lot of beer here. Pimps, oh God. Or G and T. Or maybe just tea. Yeah, just do the old, the G. a kappa. Yeah. A cup and a scone. <laughs> That's it. You've made it this far into the podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. And also thank you to Michal Willems for stopping by and giving us his perspective on the EU results and what might and might not happen. And if you are listening on iTunes, make sure that you press the little subscribe button there. You can also rate us and comment so we know that you're out there. Because you know what? This makes a difference. It means we're communicating. We're a community, Earthlings. If you're listening on SoundCloud, it's the same principle. And if you want to send us an email, make sure that you write to us at podcast at gmail.com. Remember, all our handlings are once tm that is we are not from the moon thank you very much for listening and remember that you are not from the moon so keep your feet firmly on the ground